Michael Gevin here with Jumpstart Sessions. So I'm super excited to bring you these one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching sessions. These are kind of behind the scenes and coaching videographers and filmmakers. And if you'd like to kind of cherry pick what you'd like to even listen to on each episode, you can go to jumpstartsessions.net. And on there, you'll be able to find the show notes for each and every single episode. There's also an assessment that I have each person take that I coach. You'll be able to see their results on the show notes page for each episode. You'll also be able to take the assessment yourself so you can kind of compare results. If you yourself would like to be coached on a Jumpstart session, you'll also just go to jumpstartsessions.net and it'll say, get coached on the podcast. You fill out a questionnaire and as of right now, they are free as long as they can be used as a podcast episode. And so ultimately, that's all I've got for now. I'm super excited for you to listen to this episode. So let's rock and roll. So my man, Michael, is it Whitelock? It's Whitlock, yeah. Whitlock, Whitlock, perfect. So tell me, to begin with, a little bit about you and your situation, how long you've been doing, in, you know, doing stuff in video, and uh, kind of where you're at. So we just get some con context, as we were just talking before we got on here, of just kind of where you're at in the journey of your video production business. Yeah, so um, uh, praise be to God, honestly, that like, I was able to start going full-time a year ago um, with my video production business. Um, but with a lot of that, I will say um, I'm probably not as far along as some full-timers um, would be because uh, for me, so uh, just as far as like what my story is, uh, mm -hmm. to, uh, I, I went to college uh, at a, for film, but the program wasn't very good at all. Yeah. So it wasn't really like I had any experience or uh, even skills at all that would really have been useful just because the department was so small mm -hmm. um, and trying to get hired. And I felt somewhere along the way um, in my junior year that I really should go ahead and start a business because I had enough skills that I'd be able to do something and then build the skills. And I just kind of never did. And then I uh, got out of school. I kind of found the took the first job that I could, which was working in like the cut and print room of a marketing firm in the okay. small town where the college was. Okay. Um, and that thankfully uh, turned into a um, graphic design position at literally seven fifty an hour. So not, so not exactly like a big design from here, sure. Um, sure. but I, it turned into a graphic design position, which turned into a motion graphics position. And um, all of that was really great. But then essentially um, that whole thing of, I just hadn't done stuff procrastination has been a giant uh, block of problem in my life, uh, including like I was in an 18-wheeler accident and I procrastinated right. so long on uh, turning in the papers that I lost out on $9,000 that I could have gotten from the insurance and uh, lost out on a semester abroad program in LA because I uh, missed the week of the deadline mm -hmm. and then just never started a business, had to take the first job that I found. It was 750. I waited too long on a couple of projects in there and got fired. Got fired, ended up back at the same job that I had in high school, working at Chick-fil-A, which I love, but no. And so, um, <laughs> Uh, but as far as like my vision for how my post-college life would be working at Chick-fil-A was not what I thought it was. Sure. Um, and so, um, at about that time was when I was like, you know what, film production, let's go. I found obviously a full-time filmmaker. Uh, and, um, but so, uh, for me, I was able to, from the time that was like last February, um, 
uh, and then by June, I was able to go full time because my wife's job was covering a good bit of the bills, um, which you know, right as soon as I was full time. Let me stop you for one second. How, yeah. How did you? How did you decide upon video? You just found full time filmmaker, or you? Well, I mean, so for me, it was that um, video was really where my skills were. Like you know, I ended up at the marketing firm and doing graphic design because I do have like an eye and some technical. Uh, you know, the fact of when you're somewhat tech smart, you can kind of figure out a lot of stuff. Sure, and I ended up doing motion graphics um, for them and their videos, but it was really bad, really awful videos that they were doing. Um, and so it was just kind of not my potential at all. And again, I had wanted to start my own video production business. Okay. And so when I got booted out at the marketing firm, you know, basically having to come face to face with my own procrastination, yep. that was really probably the healthiest thing for me to be back in fast food because um, it was a whole lot more fun to say that I was a graphic designer, even though I was making not as much as I made at the fast food joint. Sure. Um, um, so it was good for like my pride levels and also just to come face to face with my procrastination put me here. Yeah. And so I've got to go anti-procrastination, mm -hmm. actually start going out, buying equipment, cold calling, uh, finding business. I did a lot of real estate. I did a few, uh, I did a few free weddings. Um, I, uh, and then like, you know, and I just started like charging like baby amounts until like, you know, I was actually at the point where I was like, yeah, you know, like if I really like started going like full tilt at this, I would start having enough business to actually have this become sustainable. Um, my wife was like, you know what, my job's more or less covering, you know, the bills that we have, let's go do it, which, you know, she lost her job right after. And so it put like real pressure on like my business to like, you know, uh, come up with um, some of the money for like that in between period uh, as well. Uh, but it's really, but so for me, like, you know, her job was kind of like assaging the, the, sure. the bill pay. Um, and so only really like this year, um, as of like February, have I had work regular enough to where my initial, uh, priorities, I would have said, yes, I can go full time now because look at how much business I have coming in. Sure. Um, uh, so for me, um, it's kind of been like post February I've had, you know, uh, May and June have been great because I've had a wedding every weekend. Um, mm -hmm. This last week, I shot three luxury real estate um, mm -hmm. videos, um, okay. all of which were paying. So, like you know, for me, like you know, these past two months have been like, whoa, like you know, like my oh my god, this is amazing. And then yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen in August? Will I make anything? <laughs> right, because like July has nothing booked. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, um. And, you know, in like August, I don't know, September's got some weddings again and October's got some weddings again. But uh, so for me, like, I don't, I really don't feel the steadiness of full-time. And I know that's a part of the gig, but I do know that, you know, with some, uh, for me, like I'm still trying to get a, get a hold on my procrastination tendency. I'm pretty open about that just because I know that it is like probably one of my bigger weaknesses sure. um, that I come face to face with most days. Uh, How old are uh, you? I am 25. 25. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's uh, a, a couple things there. I mean, first and foremost, I, I would, we'll talk about the procrastination because I have different thoughts mm -hmm. about procrastination and why sure. one's procrastinating on things. And then also, I mean, I know a guy who owns an agency that does 15 to $20 million and up until maybe a year ago, they've been doing it for 15 years and his account will always say, I don't know how you sleep at night because on certain levels, <laughs> even though they were doing a lot of revenue, they still weren't necessarily month to month knowing exactly what they were going to mm -hmm. do. And they'd have astronomical months and then they'd have really low months still. And, um, but he always knew it worked out. 
And it's interesting, you know, and there's some people out there starting to do some of the, you know, recurring ad revenue type of, you know, sales with their video. I haven't gotten into that hardcore. I know a few guys who are out there teaching it. Um, you still have to have a much more analytical mind to either, you got to either hire somebody or figure out the ads. And again, where you'll hear me talk about a lot, everything being very contextual and we'll talk about the assessment you took here in a second as well. Sure. Um, the, the likelihood is based on how you're wired, you know, the details sitting behind the computer all day, every day, just studying a computer and studying ads for somebody would not be something that would, would light you up and you'd be excited to do and more than likely would probably procrastinate. Uh, does that sound accurate or? Uh, it's like, uh, some, sometimes, um, I wonder, I wonder about that. I mean, like, uh, it's more like if it needs to get done, I'm going to do it. But, um, but you'll put uh, off things you don't want to do for as long as you can until either you have to do it or as you, <laughs> as you displayed earlier, you just don't even end up doing it. Um, yeah. because for one reason yeah. or another, which is technically where my marketing sits right now, if I actually am honest. So that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's why I, I am a firm believer that, you know, procrastination comes in a lot of forms, but one hardcore form is the fact that we're procrastinating on things that we just really don't want to do. So back in the day with my like wedding business, like I just, I can edit like a lot of creative, especially, mm -hmm. you know, guys who own video production companies, designers, we can do a lot of different things. We know how to, you know, we have cameras that can take photos. We have cameras that do video. We have computers that can edit photos and video. You know, right. we have, you know, computers that can do some motion graphic stuff. So there's all these things that we're capable and maybe even competent, but it doesn't mean as, as you were saying, we we're talking about beforehand, it doesn't mean that you love those things. And something that, you know, I'm really hardcore on, which you mentioned from, you know, the audio book, um, the MIA audio book. I wanted to ask you, and this is something just getting right to it. That is a question I love to have, ask people is, you know, I asked you in here, what would you do if you didn't need money? Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly enough, I mean, you put, start doing something else, real estate and business investing. Yeah, I would say that definitely that is a part of um, what, in your my way decision stuff that like I, I that's the yeah, main right. question that I would change the answer. Okay. Perfect. Um, just because, so, um, I will say just like, uh, like some of my past, I'm pretty like money conscious and like, yeah. I've got like some of the, uh, insecurity about that. And that's one of the reasons why, like I was wanting to like go the business route and I do definitely want to do real estate investing at some point. I would love to do that. But, um, in the end, that is me just trying to be, uh, the most um, studious and responsible uh, with my resources because I know that if I'm making more than I need, then I should like turn that more than I need into more enough to be able to give it away or to um, uh, use it for use it for more things. Um, the other also, magic wand part of this that I want to chime in and sorry, I, I'll, I'll do this sometimes because I want to I want to keep probing at things is mm -hmm. that if we could do a magic wand and you didn't need money, your family's not going to need money. You don't need money and you don't have to worry about that. You're getting abundance or not an abundance. And if you get abundance, what do you do with that abundance? Are you being responsible or these things? You know, the, the question is, would you be filming? What would you be filming? You know, would you be editing? Like, again, Whoa. we don't have to worry about whether what you're shooting or what you're editing is generating any, any, any capital or any money at this moment. It's just a, it's a byproduct of, do you love, shooting do you love editing do you love 
I put in here, the, the, the selling, like talk about like, what are those aspects do you love the most? And when we get clarity on that, you know, mm. the clear, there's power and clarity. The more clear you are, the faster you'll move. You've probably heard me say that before, but it's like right. when we're foggy, when we're vague, when we're, and I've experienced this, I've experienced crystal clear clarity and I <laughs> see what happens. And boy, when I'm foggy, like it's just, it's procrastination, it's avoidance, it's not getting things done. I don't feel productive. I'm just kind of doing things that are very busy work. It's like a, um, you know, talk about like a rocking chair. It's just like, you're just moving back and forth. You're moving, but you're not moving anywhere. Like you're just staying in one place and you're not going anywhere. And so I find that, you know, a lot of times, you know, we've got weddings, we got real estate, we got business videos, we've got every little random thing. We might film a funeral one day. We're doing this, mm -hmm. we're doing that, you know, and then, you know, our mind's still going, but this doesn't make money big enough or fast enough. So maybe real estate would be the better thing to do. And, and, right. and you're definitely, I mean, based on some things here and not knowing a lot about you, there's definitely a drive for the economics, for the money. And, and that probably comes from things from past. Maybe you didn't have mm -hmm. as much, maybe you lost it, maybe your family, whatever it was. But there's, there's a drive to make sure, like, it's here. There's, a, there's this altruism line and economic line. My economic has been a lot higher now, but for a long time, my altruistic line was far higher than my economic. So I sure. could have no money left and I'll still take care of Mr. Michael over here. Uh, Michael 2.0, and I'll give you all my last dollars to make sure you're taken care of before myself. Whereas, depending on where we're at in our life, sometimes that shifts, and we're like, I don't care what happens to anybody else. I'm taking care of myself first, and if there's some left over, I can do something for you. And it right. doesn't mean it's good or bad people, but it's just it's something that happens. So there's a level of you, and maybe friends, family, peers, conditioning you to believe creativity, like filmmaking, like video, like is there really money there? Like, are you really, you, you're doing the best to, to make, you know, what you really could with your potential sure. and these things. And, um, you know, I'll tell you one quick story. I had a guy that yeah. I um, uh, was friends with for a long time. He started filming weddings when he was 13. His whole family was like doctors and lawyers and things. And he didn't go to college. And some of the family members said, that's a bad decision. You need to send him to, to college. And uh, one of them was one that did a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, as a lawyer or whatnot. And, um, a couple of years into his business, they apologized because he was generating more money as a wedding <laughs> oh, videographer yeah, yeah. than they were. So the potential right. is there. It's just the distractions again will send us off all these rabbit holes. And so as we were talking about beforehand, there's certain things where when we're going all over the place, we kind of have all these half-built bridges and you know, you're making a little money over here and a little money over here, but you're never really known anywhere. And that's where marketing, if you're not going to do any like direct response advertising type of marketing and you're going to do mm -hmm. things where you're building kind of a brand, a reputation, referrals, you know, word of mouth and those kind yeah. of things. If you do like three weddings a year, you do a few real estate things, you do a couple businesses and you just dabble everywhere. It can be good for variety for the, for the brain at times. But I always think when it comes to business, where you'll win the most is where you're able to go the deepest. And because, you know, I had people contacting me for weddings six years after they initial, initially met me and found me at a wedding. They were single. They weren't dating anybody. And in their mind, they're like, when I get married, he's my guy. And I literally would get messages of going, I saw you at such and such's wedding. I'm like, 
that was a long time ago. You know, like I knew that you were going to be the person and they hired me. But if I wasn't in weddings, and that's why we, we switch directions so often because something's not moving fast enough. We live in this instant gratification right. world. And for you, you know, I was talking, we've got this, this red, yellow, green, and blue line. And it's, it's from the disc assessment. And I was telling you that, you know, my good friends, the behavioral profile, was the, you know, uh, fishing at my wedding. And I'd been studying this for a long time. And on yeah. your natural graph, you're like a core D. You're core dominant. You're very driven. You're very decisive. You're going to get things done and you're going to make it happen. But when you're adapting, that's dropping way down. I'm not way, way down, but it's below 50. So it's not as much in play. And then your people line's popping up a little bit more and you're more kind of, you know, cautious line a little bit more detailed kind of, you know, thinking line is popping up a little bit. And so what's potentially happening is you're very domineering and the people you're dealing with and interacting with, you know, can't <sighs> deal with that because you're going to pile drive them over. And so you drop that down a little bit. Now you become a little indecisive. You, you, you're being a little bit more talkative and friendly. It doesn't mean also that the other side of you is not friendly. It's just that sure. you want to get things done and people who are going to move slow, if you get editors, if you get people that help you, they're probably not moving at the speed that you would prefer them to move. And okay. so does yeah. that make sense? Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh -huh. you know, it's an interesting thing, but there's a lot of creatives who have no dominant line, which is like an engine in a car. So they're like a four cylinder on a NASCAR track. You know, the NASCARs are going 200 miles an hour. They're lapping them. You know, they, get, they don't make it around one lap <laughs> when you've made it around 12 times, you know? And, and so if you don't recognize that and have some awareness, nobody's ever going to live up to you, your, your standards of speed. So you're just going to continue to either be really irritated with the people that potentially help you or try to do it all yourself. And then that's where, you know, you put on the, on the form here, how much do you love editing? And it was a five. Um, you know, I mean, that's not horrible, but at the same time, you probably don't necessarily love editing that much where it's like yeah. it depends, right? There's a depends question, you know, statement there. Right. Yeah. So like editing, you know, I, I love, there's a quote by Orson Welles where he said that the whole elegance of the art form is in the editing room. And I feel like there's a lot that like, that's true because it is like the final product. Like you do have to make sure that's good footage to begin with, but like everything can be made or crash in the edit. Sure. And I love um, like storytelling in general um, is just uh, one of the things that I love doing. And I think that, you know, the editing is where a lot of that actually gets put together. Sure. Um, however, at the same time, editing is probably the place where I procrastinate the sure. most out of everything that I do. Yep. There's a level of slog that yep. I, that I don't enjoy about it. Um, and so like, I know that, you know, and even just with some of, you know, uh, just like inside full-time filmmaker here with like Parker's stuff where he talks about how, you know, he's hired like editors and they've like at least sifted the footage and then he just kind of comes in and like, you know, uh, like he's got that one example in the course where he's got like the best of the best footage put aside from his sifter mm -hmm. and then he edits it in like an hour or two. Um, and I've thought about doing that and I guess like uh, there's just so much of me that like uh, because I do feel like editing is important. I'm just kind of. So let me describe uh, not, a scenario out. Let me sure. describe a scenario out to you with um, a couple of things. Cause this is what I try to present. Cause what we don't know, we don't know. We haven't experienced, we haven't experienced. There's no contrast. Like if there was, if it was just dark all the time and we never saw light, we wouldn't even be missing light. 
right? Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, so I've got a guy, he used to work with me and he came from the four seasons and he was kind of like customer service high end with putting on the sure. events and things there. And, um, now he runs his own company. It's called route three films. And he essentially does mainly schools and nonprofits, but here's how he runs things. Now he's able to shoot. He actually isn't, which is sometimes a blessing more than it is a curse. He actually <laughs> isn't able to edit. Um, but he, he knows exactly what he wants. And when he's shooting, he's editing his mind. So he, he is an editor. He just never ultimately learned the programs or any of that. But what he is far better at than anything is relationship building, connections, negotiating, meeting people, doing these things. So what happens is, let's just call it 30 hours on the editing. Mm-hmm. It's going to take. If, uh, it, it could range depending. I mean, there's a whole bunch we can get into on what something could take. And there's all the variables we're not even mentioning. But let's just say this project is going to take 30 hours to edit. Mm-hmm he might be involved for about an hour or two. Now he's still not doing what you just said, which is like letting the other guy spend say 28 hours and then him coming in for two and finishing it. He's just maybe a little bit on the front end, giving the vision of what he's wanting. The editor then spends a ton of time. He might chime in there in the middle, see where it's at and then come back in at the very end. And so now that 30 hours, he's only spending two, those 28 hours that he would have been having to be in front of that computer slogging, not getting it done, then upset because, oh my God, what do I tell my client? Because it's not ready when I said it was going to be ready. And what do I do? I'm going to stay up for 24 hours and stress myself out just to get it done because it's got to get done. Done that one. Of course I have too. And, um, and so what he's doing is, is that he's still getting to be involved. He still has his input. He just doesn't have to push the buttons. He doesn't have to do all He doesn't have to procrastinate because a guy who loves editing and does not want to meet people does not want to interact does not want to sell he sits in front of his cave for 18 hours 28 hours 29 hours and does his thing and is happy to do it yeah and that is huge and so what happens is is in that time he can get more product because we go well i don't have the money well yeah i mean hypothetically speaking if you're getting 500 dollars like, for know, projects I can not be editing and i can be like cold calling or if i can be uh, shooting. Well, it just yeah, I shooting. I mean, you had a nine, I think, on the shooting. So it's like or ten on shooting. I mean, you really like. I mean, and based on it. how you are, I you love, love getting out there. Maybe not as much always with the the people part, but you love being out there and being able to move. I mean, you're energized by movement, not by sitting in front of the computer for twelve hours. You're gonna be like <laughs> jump off a cliff. <laughs> Whereas, like for yeah. me, talking. If my whole life revolves around talking, I'm the happiest human on earth. I mean, I need some time to recharge, don't get me wrong, and, and I like to be alone at times, go for walks and bike rides. But as a whole, I love to talk. So if I get an email, my inclination is to pick up the phone and talk to them or meet them or something. Whereas a lot of my opposite personality is like, I'm going to do everything in my power to never have to talk to them if I can. And those editors, if he gets to edit 30 projects from my buddy in a year, he's still only doing like the selling has already happened it's done one time like he doesn't keep selling ryan over and over and over and over and over and over and over again he gets to edit he gets to do his thing he gets to do what he loves and we're good to go and so it's it's figuring that out and recognizing you'll have more money you'll have more time you'll have more fun you'll procrastinate less if you start to let people who love and you can still end up with the same like my biggest breakthrough was thinking my clients won't be happy if I'm not the one, if they know I didn't edit the video, they won't be happy. 
um, and it won't be as good. And, you know, we say all these things. What I right. found is, is people who love editing do a far better job at editing than I do. I'm capable and competent, but at the end of the day, there's people who are just as capable and competent, but also passionate, love it, and would much rather be doing it. They may, because of the way I did it, which is, well, here's the irony. In, in weddings, when I had the audience, when I knew that I had a deadline, when I knew that I had till right. nine o'clock to show the video, boom, I would be focused. I would be tunnel vision and I would get that thing done and it would be excellent. But as soon as I have endless amounts of time to complete that edit, I wouldn't even do it. I mean, at one point in time, I was nine months behind delivering people's wedding videos that said, I think on the high end, three to six months turnaround time. And I was way past that because I just... I, I kept prioritizing every commercial project and everything that had deadlines. Like somebody brings me in slideshow photos back in the day in January of, you know, the beginning of the year. I'm like, well, we're, we're really organized. We don't need this for nine months. I'm like, well, good. You'll get it in, you know, eight months and 29 days. Uh, because right. I would put everything else that needed to be done first. And so with the wedding, this is horrible, not right. But I didn't think there was really a deadline now in my mind. Other people, if that commercial shoot that had an event on September 29th didn't get their video to show on September 29th, guess what? I'm never doing work with those people again, more than likely. You won't be happy. But the wedding, I showed up. I filmed. I was friendly. I got the footage. I did a great job. But is there really a deadline? And They're not hiring me again. These are the rationale that runs through our head. It's not right necessarily yeah but it's, it's what starts to happen some of the problem that that i've had more recently yeah so yeah so and so let's go through those sectors as well in regards to on your website you you had uh business you had weddings and you had real estate mm-hmm. um yeah. i mean out of those what's your favorite uh i mean and, I, so, not, and all these things i'll ask you to man there, there's no right sure. or wrong answers like i don't I ask people sometimes they love weddings. Some people hate them. I don't care what you like or dislike and there's no right or wrong answer. It's truly like, again, it's the magic wand. If I could give you 30 weddings a year, 10 weddings, and again, your bills get paid. You don't have to worry about anything. Like, what of those things would you do? What of those things would you not do? You know, and, and, and it's just, and again, it's hard to swallow, but when we have that, what I say sometimes is if there's an exit strategy before you've entered, it's going to be hard to win because the reality is you're going to be sitting here putting some kind of effort into something that in the big picture, if you didn't have to do, you wouldn't do. Whereas the person who loves it and wants to do it, they're going to, they're going to run you over. Rather, no matter how driven right. they are, they're going to run you over because if there's the contrast like the sun in the darkness, well, yeah, if I only call you and you're the only human I ever interact with for booking, say, a wedding – and no matter how you act, I'm like, okay, price is right. I like this work. Good deal. And then, but if I talk to another person, now I have contrast. They may act the same, so now I don't have much contrast. But if they act completely different and they're like, oh my God, I've been doing this for years. I just love meeting with the couples and I love their day. And I, what kind of dress do you have? And they really get into it because they're just, they really enjoy it. Um, right. That's going to create a contrast for it. The person might not fully know, but they're going to go, and when I talked to one person, I mean, that was a nice guy. But man, when I talked to such and such, it was amazing. And I think that the more we can have that amazing that we're able to naturally do and not 
I get some of the fake it till you make it, but there's also, why are we faking things that we're never going to make it in if we don't ever want to like it? You know, we don't have to. I mean, self-employment should be designed to create a business and a life that we love, not one that we've just created another, you know, cage that we now are, you know, yeah. not getting paid unless we work. Um, or at least at jobs, if you show up on some level, you will get paid. <laughs> you don't have to go find <laughs> the work, you know. But anyway, so what is that for you, would you say? What's your gut instinct tell you of the things that you're, you're doing that you really love doing the most? I mean, like, so for the most part, like, uh, this, is not, this is not the answer that uh, uh, fits the normal bill on this. Okay. I really love doing that um, stuff that I have not done before. Mm-hmm. Um, like that is, yeah, so um, for me, like, I am actually, so I will say that uh, I, did, I did have, I have had like a couple of instances where, you know, you've got, you know, Parker Welbeck who's outspoken that he hates weddings. Um, and then I've got a friend who lives, um, in kind of my area who runs a video production business and he hates real estate. I'm like, I kind of like both of those. Um, uh, but you know, when it comes to like business stuff, business is usually the stuff that like, I'm. Uh, so like for me, what I don't know though, is that weddings and real estate, I've only been doing these for like a year. I'm still working on getting a whole lot better. Um, you know, I'm going like, you know, right now with weddings, I'm doing the primes only style of shooting. And you know, for me, like that's, that's the way of keeping it interesting and I love it and it's new. And I really love, um, when the couple has like written vows, uh, just because, you know, I'm that guy that I didn't cry when my wife walked down the aisle. I cried when we got to the vows. Um, so like for me, like I really do love weddings. I really am interested in real estate. So the part about real estate investing earlier is still actually very like valid because I got mm-hmm. super interested and I am interested. Um, but I do really, really love production. And so like, but the thing is that like with business stuff, it's more like when I get to do something creative for the business, which I haven't been able to do super often. And what do you mean um, by that? When you get to do something creative, like you get full control, like do you feel like you're being more controlled by the clients than you are controlling the situation? Yeah. Um, I would say that with business stuff, even though like for a while it was, for a while it was kind of, um, uh, like I would say that the business side of my, of my video production business is probably the least, uh, mature, um, that my weddings and my real estate, I'm actually, uh, you know, I would say that the prices that I'm charging are somewhat close to actually the quality of the value that I, that I put out, um, with the business stuff, you know, what's funny is, is that like, I actually make a little more money for less time than, than some of the other stuff. Sure, sure. Uh, but I feel like I'm showing up and the client's going like, okay, interview this person and this person. I'm like, well, I mean, okay. And then it's like, okay, get B roll. It's like, well, I mean like, oh, so it's a matter of how much time I have. Not, not what would work. Okay. Yeah. I have four hours to create something and I've just got to show up and film whatever's going on. And so like, you know, uh, for me, it's that like, for those, those are kind of like the least creativity and time in the editing room. Now, how does that, how does that meeting, how does that come about where you end up showing up and they're just barking orders at you? Like how, how is that coming about in the initial selling of that project for you? That's a good question. Um, I mean, for the most part, the business stuff that I've done, which again, is a little bit less, uh, I haven't done as much of it as, as the other stuff. Um, it's kind of been that either, uh, I've cold called, um, and been like, you know, do you need some video content or it's been that it's been like referral. I've got a couple of photographer friends that when somebody needs a video, they call me and they're just like, Hey, I need a video. 
So there, like, so there, so before you go any further, that's some of the, the issue right there. You're calling people and asking them, do you need a video? They call you and go, I need a video. And so what happens is, is, is you basically, you probably heard me say this, but you're kind of doing the subway model. You just, you got a menu yeah. and you're just taking orders and whatever they want, you know, they want onions this time, but they don't want onions this time. And you're like, okay, they want the gimbal this time. They don't want the gimbal. Okay. You know, this kind of stuff is happening and you're just, and that's probably where again, you're come, becoming a little bit more passive when you adapt because more than likely there's probably some lacking confidence in that area. So it's easier for you to kind of get quote unquote pushed over a little bit, you know, taken, not taken advantage of, but controlled by the client. Cause you don't, again, there's no contrast right now. You're like, I don't know. I mean, because with weddings, they, they don't necessarily bark orders because quite it's frankly, kind of the same thing and i've done it before and they've seen it and they know what and you know and so it's kind of like, what, well and, and, whatever you show up and do that's what we want so it, right what you've already yeah. done i've seen you do i want you to do that and so what happens on other things when we start making every project completely different and random then and and that might be because either the, the you want to do that or number two the clients just dictating so your videos all end up random because quite frankly you're allowing them to dictate, oh, hey, here's this cheesy car commercial that I, I, I like, you know, can you do that? And you're thinking, well, I mean, I got a camera and I, yeah, I, I mean, we can pull some version of that thing off. And I mean, that's an extreme, but that's what happens sometimes. And so, you know, I'll give you a scenario of a guy that he was about to go into a meeting with a boys and girls club that he had a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, what was going to happen is, is he was going to go in and say, hi, I'm such and such. Do you need video? You know, I'm a videographer. You know, do you need video? And I said, what you need to shift, because I actually had a similar meeting like this, but it can happen with anything. Sure. I had had some, some uh, uh, understanding of how they run. So typically, the only time, at least the local one I did, the only time they reach out to people is when they want money. And so, right. all the time. But so their emails, their social media, a lot of it's all just geared towards, here's this next charity thing, give us money. Here's this, give us money. Give, give us money, give us money, give us money. And I said, what, what, what you need to do is create a vision for how video can help create kind of a presence online showing where this money's going. Show it's how it's impacting these kids. Showing how it's impacting the, the, the community. And by creating a vision and saying, hey, you know, ultimately you're going in there and you guys are only asking for money. But if 80% if of the time you're putting this content out that's tugging at the heartstrings, it's showing the impact it's making, they're more likely to give once, they're more likely to give again, and they're more likely to give more. And so, and you can show, share with them the different vision you have for the types of videos that could be created. You can create pieces on- the vision for the video plus the result. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the, the, the mission, the vision for what is possible, like how many videos you could create, what it could look like, the release of these videos and how often and how they could be used. And, um, and then yes, the result, which is in that situation going to be the more money the, you know, uh, more money, a money again, and, you know, not, have, <laughs> yeah. not go anywhere else. Right. So, um, but that's totally different than, Hey guys, do you need video? Cause if we talk about the, the darkness and the light again, well, sure. they don't know what they don't know. So as soon as you go, do you need video? They think, well, I've heard about video and I'm thinking about, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think we need any video right now. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll keep you, we'll, we'll keep in touch maybe when we need video, when their mind thinks they need video, then they might keep, you know, they might reach out. The reality is, is if you've done a horrible job of staying in touch, then if you take that approach, then when they might need video and somebody else, they go somewhere and then, oh my gosh, video, that was great. Let's do video. Well, if that's mm -hmm. nine months later and you've had zero interaction in nine months, 
then the reality is they're probably either going to look for somebody else because they don't even remember you existed. Or there might be already somebody right there who's top of mind who now pops out and they end up using them. And then you see their videos and go, didn't I talk to them? Didn't I talk? Right. And so if you create that vision, so even I've had multiple scenarios, there's a social media marketing world is actually a conference that we've filmed for years now. And I'll never forget. They saw a video I did for free for a guy named Pat Flynn. And I did that video in an event he was at. And then the owner, Michael Stelzner of social media marketing world saw that video and said, we got to reach out. Uh, to him. Yeah, I know. So I know. a different awesome. guy reaches out to me and of his organization and says, Hey, we've spent three months looking for videographers. I pretty much already have someone chosen. Michael said, I got to contact you. Um, you know, so here we are. And it was kind of this like, okay. <laughs> and, then he, and then he tells me what he wants. And quite frankly, it wasn't something that I was incompetent or incapable of doing, but it definitely was not my sweet spot. I mean, by that point in time, it was like 2014. I knew what I did and I knew what I did well. And so I heard him out. I listened and I said, okay, well, if that's, if that's what you really want, if that's what you really, really need, um, then I'm probably not going to be your guy because, and then I went through the whole scenario of what I do and what I do well, who I've done it for, how I've approached it, what it's done, what it accomplished. And I was very confident in that, but it's, it's easier to sometimes just do what somebody like, just keep your mouth shut. Michael, as in me, like, just keep your mouth shut. He's told you what he wanted. You can just basically go, yeah, we can do that. Price it out. And then hopefully maybe get the job. But I had this with, Tony Robbins as well. I had his people calling me up and saying, we're going to do these interviews, da, 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 all this stuff. And then they said, you know, uh, we got to tell you, you're double what the other crew that we're looking at is. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to use some Tony Robbins on you. This is exactly what I said. I'm like, I'm going to use some Tony Robbins on you. I'm like, right. here's the thing. We have a relationship. We have a rapport already built that we've connected with multiple times. That makes a difference. And then I said, on top of that, I said, I don't know about the other crew. I can't speak for them we're going to come in and have backups to our backups because I said, the reality is you have one opportunity to film these billionaires and these different people. And if anything goes wrong, Tony ain't getting another chance. And so we only have one chance to do this. And I know in the big picture, money is not an issue. And so it's more important these get done right than them getting screwed up. And so I can assure you we'll do everything in our power to do these right. We've been doing these for years and, um, and then that was it. And then I had to hold my breath and it was like a week and a half and I don't hear anything. And I'm like, well, now on to the next thing. I guess I lost that job and I got it. And that's, it doesn't happen every time, but we had like Panera bread one time, same thing. This is what we do. Well, here's the price. They're like, eh, it's too much. That's not really what we're looking for. A year later, they came and they worked with us on our price and on what we did well. Now it takes time to build that confidence up. It takes time to, you know, find the clarity of what you do well and having people see you as the, as the creative, as the visionary, as the do your thing, I trust you. But you have to, you know, in the beginning at times, it's kind of twofold. You can do a couple things. You can go in and just get a job and just keep your mouth shut and, and, and do, like, do what they want while simultaneously spending extra time potentially because now you've got somebody, you've gotten permission to do your thing, you right. get into the whole, well, you only get four hours, but more than likely, if you wanted to shoot for a day or two or whatever, whatever you wanted to do to make it, they're not going to like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't work harder for our video. <laughs> like, so you can do right. what they wanted 
and then you can create what you wanted. And then you can say, here's the thing that you wanted. Here's the thing I was just experimenting with to see da 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 da. So now two things happen. They may just go, we still like what we, what we did, in which case you do not show that or share that anywhere on your side. Because what I find is when we have portfolios of work and we share things online, you're bound and determined to get things where people love what you did that you might have hated. And ultimately they're going to go, hey, I saw what you did for such and such. Can you do that for me? And then in your head you're going, here we go again. Another non-creative barking orders at me job that won't be that right. much fun. Or, and you'll go, oh, but I can do that. But you can start to transition that where you start. I mean, my greatest work came from my passion projects. It came from the free project. I mean, the whole free to fee. But it came from the free projects because, quite frankly, I'm doing something for free. You don't get any control. I mean, you know, beggars right. can't be choosers. Is always a lot. Even when people help me for free, I'm like, they'll be nice sometimes. And they're like, oh, da, da, da. I'm like, well, look, I mean, beggars can't be choosers. I'm not going to sit here and slave drive you into the ground or expect you to do things in like mm -hmm. super fast because, you know, whatever. And so that's how I feel about that. So I come in and I get to do my thing, create what I would want to do, what I'm proud of. And then when people see that and go, I want that, you're like, hell yes. Like, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to do that. But when you're not confident about that, that's where you'll tend to just let people do whatever. Does that make sense? I know that was a- It does, yeah. Yeah, so, so kind of the point being that uh, I guess like w with what to do about that, so when, so, so when, you're, so when you're called about um, uh, a video and someone's going like, hey, I need a video, then your, your strategy for dealing with that would either be to- uh, cr to create the vision and say, this is what, and, and obviously I might necessarily have this clarity yet as is what you said that like, yeah. I haven't done it as much, sure. but that to be able to create the vision and say, this is what I do well. And this is what I think works. And this is where it works. And this is what it means for you. And then more or less just essentially allowing them to maybe say no to well, that. People, people at times I find they don't, they don't really necessarily know what they want. They might, if you right if you yeah if you don't act like the expert if you act like a commodity with a person with a camera and they just feel like i need a camera guy like i had an event once the guy i had a friend refer this person and the guy's just like i just need somebody to come and film the event just kind of stand in the back and just film the sessions i'm like okay well um we film events all the time and that's something that can be done but let me tell you some other things to think about right like let me tell you, there's a sun. If you went to this area of the world, there's a sun there. And like, sun, what is a sun? You know, if we're talking about joking about that thing. And so this guy's just thinking, I just, I'm having an event. I mean, have some guy film the sessions for me. You know, that's, that's what I think is possible for uh, an event video. I've never seen anything else. I don't know of anything else. Somebody said I need some videos. So I'm finding a videographer to stand behind a camera. And I don't think there's a lot of value in that because it seems pretty easy. All you really do is stand there, right? And hit record. So like $400, you know, kind of thing. But when I'm telling him, well, we film these events all the time. There's things we, we've done for people. And again, some of this has to come out of experience when you don't have it. I guess you can do the fake to make it, but you know, it's harder to, you know, really be confident when you have zero experience about something. That's why the more you can increase the rate at which you do things, the faster you can increase the rate of, of having things to truly talk about that are 
that are real. But, you know, I'm going, hey, you know, we, we can typically, what we do is we can make an overall sizzle. I mean, a lot of times and I'm asking, I'm like, well, do you have masterminds? Do you have courses? Do you have other live events? Do you have other things? Because I understand this is where the power of being in a certain area. I understand the right. entrepreneurial space of events, conferences, workshops, masterminds, the courses they have, the six-week online courses, the do it, you know, do it at your own pace course, uh, you know, uh, four times a year mastermind, all these things. And sometimes the event I might be filming might have somebody who did one-on-one, is in the mastermind, did a course, you know, did the group workshop, is at that live event. So now I can tell them, I'm like, well, we could interview five people and we could ask them questions about all these different things. And so now when we get done, rather than you hiring me or a different crew five different times for the one-on-one promo you want, for the course promo you want, for the live event, we can do it this one live event and ask all these questions and be able to drive things to make different videos. So now we can have an overall sizzle of just the live event you're having us film. We can make, if we get say eight testimonials, there might be four that are awesome. So we can make individual edits just on those um, individuals. We can, we can, we start experiment doing stuff for Instagram, you know, Instagram right. stories and the different, different channels. Um, but by me doing that versus someone else getting called and basically saying, yeah, I can do that. How, how many hours do you need? I mean, that's, that's what a normal person without any understanding about an industry or anything that's a camera person gets that call and says, I need a guy for two days for, you know, eight to five one day and eight to two another day to stand and record our sessions. And they go, okay, well, that's going to be $1,500, you know, and then that's it. And they keep their mouth shut and they go, mm-hmm. okay, that works. And then that's it. But for me, I was that guy. I don't think I was some radical and crazy human that came out of the womb knowing everything I just told yeah. you because it's far from the truth. But I was that person. My rates increased when I was able to go from the guy that just did what we said, which is just like, how many hours, how many days, you know, what do you want, basically, to here's what we do really well. Sometimes what they're asking, like, we do offer that as well, potentially, where we can film the entire workshop and everything and, and have that available. Um, so it's not that we will not do that, but sure. we won't just do that. Like, so we usually got to be hired to do epic before we do boring, before we do something basic. Or I something. like that. Yeah. Because so it's, more, more or less, it's actually, what's funny about that is that that's more of what I've actually done with some of the, even just like the simplicity of a real estate video walkthrough. Like, you know, they sit there and they go, yeah, can you come on this day at this time? And I'm like, well, I, let's just do sunrise or sunset. Like, 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 and they're just like, yeah, that's so early. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm going to take like, you know, three and a half hours to do it. And they're like, do you need that much time? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's the quality that I like to make for you. So, right. So let me, so that is perfect. So keep in mind that you want to do those things. Absolutely. So that you then have those things that people can go, that is what I want. And I would be willing to pay the more what people in business get. And I want to chime in the two things here. Okay. Uh, because one is the idea that, you know, we brought up the real, you know, shoot, doing the real estate thing. You got the weddings, you got the business, you got the, well, the business one's a little bit more in its infancy, depending on how, I mean, there's a 20 year old that I'm coaching right now. The guy's doing like 20,000 a month. He's going nonstop every day, all day. Like he is in total annihilation beast mode with no free time, basically as a collective Mm -hmm. whole. And that's how I kind of was at the beginning of my business. So he's got a lot of things going on, but he is like putting in an enormous amount of time with 
right now, almost no life. Now, he recognizes it as a strategic move to build more demand than he has supply, than he has the ability to, to do, which is your pricing question you had. It's kind mm-hmm. of supply and demand. You know, too many times you got people with the double your rates and things we were mentioning where you have no brand, you have no reputation, the phone's hardly ever ringing, nobody really has to have you, and you're automatically having these exorbitant rates where like most people don't want to use you, you know, and versus I don't care what it costs, I got to have you, uh, which takes time. And if you started working with people um, and you have so much demand, like with weddings, I mean, I used to have it where I had 12 people in one day interested. So it's a lot easier knowing just one day that was one out of the, I don't know, you know, 52 Saturdays that were available. And then if you could do Friday, so it's like, another one has three interested. Another one has only one. But by the time I get done, if I have 180 leads for 20 dates that I want to fill, it's a lot easier to be confident in your pricing and know that you're obviously somewhat in demand. People want you, but there's still like market value. And I brought this up yesterday to somebody because I've had a guy one time that I do stuff with, he's like, you need to charge these guys $15,000 for a one-on-one day. Now, here's the thing. That's like where I live in Illinois, him telling me, you need to sell that house for $1.5 million. Now, the reality is my house may be worth $1.5 million in Colorado somewhere in Denver. Right. But where I live, my house isn't worth $1.5 million. Right. And if I put it on sale for that, it would never sell. There was a house overlooking the river, 10,000 square feet, looked like a like castle, and it was going for 1.2 million. It ended up selling for 600,000 cash from a person from LA. Now my buddy lives in Texas. He had to buy his house for $30,000 over asking. So a lot of things again are contextual. So if I wanted to you know, shoot weddings in a five mile radius from where I live, I might here and there get an eight or $10,000 wedding, but I ain't gonna have a $100,000 business wanting to drive in my little town of 26,000 people because very rarely are there the really wealthy who come out and have somebody who's getting married who would pay that. But I can drive 45 minutes to an hour and a half and now there's an increase in, in, in wealth. There's an increase in people. So things are contextual. Yeah, where I live is like so, is so podunk that I have never had a wedding here. I've always driven an hour. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's the same thing. So like with the real estate, your real estate videos and doing all this extra stuff could be in your mind worth $3,000, $2,000, $1,500, but all that's relative to the pricing of what the person's selling the house for, what kind of commission they're going to get. And so, you know, I, I don't ever not advocate for doing your most excellent best work, but you want to create those pieces, but then you have to reach a place where you understand fundamentally if somebody's only willing to spend the 500, then do you do the video and still take 15 hours to shoot and edit the whole thing? Or do you do that thing? What is the most efficient? I mean, I had weddings that didn't look super sexy, so I didn't shoot in their, their trashy area with my wide lens. You know, I shot all with tight so that it, right. it made it still look beautiful. And so there's things where you don't always have to, you know, get there at the 7 a.m. because, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be that way. It doesn't mean it not that way but you know there's those times where you you have to count your battles of when you do certain things depending on certain variables if that makes sense um and then what was the other thing i was going to say about that um yeah so the focus as well in regards to you only have so much time today so that one kid's willing to spend 15 16 hours a day seven days a week right now but depending on what you have available or what you're willing to spend 
will dictate whether or not if you're dabbling in real estate, you're dabbling in weddings and you're dabbling in uh, real estate actual investing and you're dabbling in business videos, there's no depth there and you're going to run out of time depending on whether, whether or not how much time you spend and um, uh, how many people you get helping you. Because this guy's already hiring people and, and different things as well. So it, everything that you start to delegate out, like I said, if you spend the 30 hours editing, that's, that's almost a full work week, potentially, eight hours a day yep. of you just sitting in front of the computer, which is not marketing, not meeting people, not talking to people, um, and, and potentially not responding to emails because you're so head in on the editing. Um, whereas if now you get a $2,000 project and four or 500 goes towards an editor, but you save those 28 hours, you're going to feel lighter. You're going to be happier. You'll be more productive in the areas that you want to do. Um, but you still have to recognize from a business, and this is where a lot of people don't get it. I don't care what people do. You can do 5,000 things. I'm never telling people yeah. you can't have hobbies. You can't do other things. Don't do this and only do that. But recognize from a business standpoint that, if you're only one person and you got a wife and kids and a family and a life you're trying to live and the business you're trying, you, it's very difficult for one individual to build eight businesses, you know? And even if you look at like Richard Branson, he might have 300 businesses. He, all he does is come up with the vision and then he puts the top person in place and they run the entire business and then he checks right. in here and there. He's not in there running the entire business. There's a lot of things that need to go on within a business and that's where from a business, we want things to be instant and quick and fast and we get sold, especially in online marketing, into yeah. here's an easier way, here's a faster way, here's a this way. But long-term sustainable businesses like Amazon and, and Walmarts and things that are around didn't just keep, they might've tweaked their business, but they didn't start up Walmart for six months and shut down Walmart as a brand and a business and then start a new one. And same thing with Amazon. You know, they started as books, they evolved over time but Amazon, the name is that business, right? So it's a powerful thing. I, I know that um, we've got, got about 10, 10, 15 minutes here. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure probe it, if there's anything else sticky on you that you want to, you want to ask. Um, I know you had the double your rates. We can, we can dive into that some more too, but what's, what are you feeling about? What's kind of like, like there's something in your, in your gut that you're, you're thinking you want to ask that's frustrating. Yeah, I guess like the there's like there's like two semi questions then I guess. So first off, all of this is kind of like, you know, my brain's kind of thinking about everything that you've just been saying. Sure. Um, of course. <laughs> uh but so I guess one one of the things is just that uh when it comes to the stuff on like I'm procrastinating on the editing and I know that. Mm -hmm. Um uh and a lot of it's just that like, you know, I'll sit there and like I say, Well, I'm editing this today and then I just don't end up even doing much of that. Um uh, I guess just like where, um, uh, you know, and you pointed out that like usually like the reason for procrastination was that these are the things that you don't like doing or the things that, you know, you could probably delegate and get to the things that you really love doing and work on like, you know, producing more and stuff like that. I guess just where, where do you find, uh, when it comes to that, where is it just like where you actually just need to work on your character and become better at not procrastinating on the dang stuff? And where is it that you can focus on? Let's get this to where it's doing what I love and delegating the stuff that I don't. Well, I think there's positive and negative resistance at times. So, I mean, people to get through it, suck it up, keep your mouth shut, just do it, build that character, you know, 
mm-hmm. keep quiet. You know, you should be, you're so blessed and lucky that you have. I get that. But also there's that whole cliche Einstein, you know, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll think it's stupid its whole life because it can't climb a tree. You know, you don't take, it's, these are stupid scenarios to a degree, but you don't take a head of lettuce and use it as a hammer to hammer nails. Right. You get a hammer. And so how we're wired from a personality behavioral standpoint um, is, is like that. Sometimes we are the fish trying to climb a tree. So you could have people say, suck it up. You can do it eventually. You're going to get through it. Like just get through it. Just push through it. But I find that the reality of that is, is that why would you not just get in the water? Why would you just not pick up a hammer? Why would you cut down a tree with a butter knife, right? Like you don't have to do these things. So there can be more efficient ways. And I get to the gut instinct and starting to trust that more. And what I mean by that is, there are things that we're not good at. What I'm doing right now, the lives you've seen me do, all that, I think, I think you've maybe seen, tell me if you haven't, but I share it a lot in it, but the video of my little transformation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I didn't want to be in front of the camera. I was petrified to talk in mm-hmm. front of five people, you know, those networking meetings where you stand up and you have 90 seconds to like tell people what you do and who you are and whatever. I hated that. I would go to the bathroom sometimes to avoid that happening and come back out when I knew that time was done. And so, but some things happened and I really started to like this. And so I I practiced and I got better and I got better and I got more confident, I got more confident, but I genuinely wanted to get better at it. And I think from coaching, mentoring, and and people that don't even know us and whatever, it's very easy. We see others as we are, not as they are, typically. So um, if I'm an extremely introverted person, I hate talking on the phone, and yet I have a successful business somehow, but I built it a different way, and somebody super extroverted is talking to me to look for advice, then I might be better suited as the extrovert person to want to pick up the phone and meet people and go talk, whereas that person's like, ah, no, and, and they'll give you this whole other strategy it is the opposite of what would be better congruent with you because they don't like talking on the phone. One person's blessings mm-hmm. another's curse. So I believe right. when somebody tells one to do something, you have to go, what resonates? And so what's right for you? What do you feel best about? If it's something that you know you're not good at right now, but you genuinely want to get better at it. You genuinely want to do it. So if you genuinely like, I want to be the most excellent editor there is. I really love editing, but I know I'm not good at it right now. Well, then you might not be confident, but I would argue probably you still don't necessarily hyper procrastinate on it. You'll do it, but you, you might not be great at it right now. But if you don't really, like if you didn't have to, if the magic wand could happen again and you had some great editors and they made phenomenal edits and you were just out meeting people and shooting and, and doing that and you brought it back and you knew the edit would be amazing from somebody else and you could direct it, if that is something that lights you up, then that's what you want to lean towards. But if it's like, man, I would suck if I don't get to edit. Like, I freaking love editing. Like, I just had a guy get a job with a Netflix documentary as an editor, and he's so pumped. And for years, he was trying to be that opposite. He was trying to sell the job, negotiate, shoot the job, and then he would get to edit. And when I talk to him, I always am like, the same question, what would you do? And he's like, man, in perfect world, I'd just get to edit. I'm like, okay. And it took him like four and a half years to own that. Now, that doesn't mean he's never going to shoot. He does like picking up the camera from time to time on his own little documentaries and things. But in the big picture, a perfect world for him is editing. 
And so that everybody's different. So I don't think that something that we're, we're a fish and we don't want to do it. And it's natural that we know, like if somebody else could, I'd be fine with that. Then there's no sucking it up, character building, pushing through it and doing that. That's where you're just wasting enormous amounts of energy, time, effort. You're probably not as happy. You might become subpar on it eventually. Um, and others would tell you, and again, I always come from the place of what resonates. I'm not here to tell people to do one thing or the other. I don't care whether you want to edit or not. That doesn't matter to me. Like sure. I don't have an ego. I've interacted with people whose egos are so big. Like I want you to take my, you need to be an editor, Michael. It's like, no, I, I don't care what you do. I'm hearing what you're saying and I want to reflect it back and get you to hopefully really own the, the, the possibility of the fact that you don't really love editing. You can still create phenomenal edits from the things you shoot by somebody else who's able to do that. And now instead of, you know, you procrastinating for two months to do something, you get that too. Like yesterday, I dropped off my footage that we had from, from this travel con in Boston last week. I would have never sat down and edited it. My editor, he said, give me till Tuesday. He's really, really good. He'll probably have me something by Saturday or Sunday, Monday at the latest. Um, and it'll be great. I'll send it to the client client might may or may not give any feedback and then we're done and I get to keep stand in the zone and, and what I'm doing with my business I hate email I hate details organization so all those things one could argue suck it up learn get better but I procrastinate endlessly taxes these things QuickBooks you know why don't you just do it yourself you, you're able I'm not stupid but I will endlessly procrastinate on those things yeah, those documents you had to fill out all that paperwork you had to fill out you're like is there any way this could be done without me having to do it? You know, and, and then you finally ended up going, oh crap, <laughs> guess I waited a little bit too long, you know, and why, why fight that when either some things now, let me caveat that by one iota. Some things sometimes are almost impossible to have done by somebody. Else. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's the one, right? You might've had that thing for your paperwork, for your accident and that stuff. Like, you know, I don't know how to tell you to necessarily obviously delegate that off, but, but there's a lot in business that, you know, and that's where I tell people, if you're glazed over by some of these conversations and the vision creating and da, 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 well, that tells you maybe you're just a shooter. And you're like, man, I just love running around with my camera and getting beautiful footage. I don't want to have to create this vision with people and sell them on the idea and you go meet them and do all that. I just want to shoot. There's people like my buddy, Ryan, who hire shooters and editors on every single project and he needs them. They get paid decently and they get to just like, he used to do that with me. He'd be like, Hey Gabs, you available on Monday? Like today, maybe he could go, Hey, you available on Monday? I'm like, yeah, I'm available. He goes, all right, be in my house at nine o'clock. I go to his house. He drives me to the location. I shoot all day. We're done at five. He put his card in my camera. I'm done. So sometimes that is even better money than the 5,000 he got. So I get, uh, five to eight hundred dollars him locally i do special thing and um but that money on certain levels although it's not the five grand it literally only took me the six to eight hours he's right. had four production meetings 30 emails phone calls back and forth with the editor you know all this stuff so like on certain levels i made more per hour than he might on that whole project and then he had the editing costs he had some things so now that five gets down to three grand and he had to spend 10 X the time that it took me. So if you know, I just want to edit then now selling, cause from a marketing standpoint, the more clear you are on what you do, what you do well and who you do it for, the more clear marketing becomes. Because if you do things for everybody with a pulse, 
then you don't really know what to do or who to talk to or what meetings to go to or who to call. You're doing a little bit of everything. And when you get the clarity, like if that guy just wants to edit, then he knows he finds people. He only has to sell them once or find relationships. And then once he gets that person, they love him as an editor. He's not having to keep creating visions of the edit and all these things. He just gets the hard drive. He gets the Dropbox folder. He just gets to edit. And so that is the thing I'm so hellbent on for people because when you get that and you can sink your teeth into it and it takes time we're all different levels of density in our brains of how many times we either have to be told or how many times we have to have the pain and struggle of certain things but i've just seen it too much in myself and way too much in others that i've observed in the power of that and the more foggy and vague and the more unclear the slower you move the less you do the less you're charged the more you have a business you're not super excited about and, uh, and that's what I want. I just want people to be able to get to do the thing they love the most, have fun doing it, and get a regularity of that thing. And there'll always be ups and downs and ebbs and flows. But I have certain friends every winter, every winter, it slows down for them. But other parts of the year are huge. But they get stressed every winter because, oh my God, what's going to happen? But every mid-January, it pulls right back up. So it's like if you, if you start, you can only know that after a few years and you can look back and start to see a trend and look for it, then it's just plan for it and embrace that month and a half of chill time rather than be stressed out of your mind. So these are the kind of things that they take time, they take experience. And I just think if somebody wants to really succeed in business, if this stuff starts to like, I mean, it, 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 there should be elements of, yeah, oh my God, this is kind of daunting, whatever. But if there's elements of like, screw this, this does not sound like anything that I want to work through or whatever, then you need to consider then what area do you feel the most passionate that you can work through? Because everybody with a camera and editing computer now, there's a high probability that you're going to get run over by that 20-year-old kid who's working 18 hours a day and more passionate than the guy who's like, eh, you know, I kind of like this. Let me screw around for a week on one edit. Um, you know, whereas he's like, I cranked out 12 edits this week, you know? So he's going to move faster because he does 12 videos a week and you do one video a week and just learning that. And so you got to think that that's where free and different things can come into like, just get out there and, and like, I frequent certain restaurants and then like local restaurants. And I mean, I can talk to the owner. I'm sitting at the restaurant watching people come in who are solicitors and they go, can I meet with the owner? And they're like, no, he's not available. And then the owner comes out to me and we start having a conversation. I'm like, you know, I was thinking, I saw that you do this and that on Facebook. You know, have you guys thought about video? It's like, because I was a relationship there. Um, And so if you're not willing to, to stick in something long enough to build those relationships, then you're going to be in this constant cycle of finding new industries and new businesses and new things. Um, And that's fine. But if you don't have a mission to ever have, some people, I had this conversation, some people just want to be vagabond style. And they're like, I like being random and changing my mind every other week and, and that. Whereas others, I've done that in my life. I don't like that. I've done it because I was trying to figure out what's that sweet spot for me. Because when you hit, I don't know if you're, are you into sports? Uh, to be honest, not super much, no. Okay. Did you but, ever do anything your whole life with sports? Uh, I mean, like I did martial arts for seven years. But Okay. Well, that's, I would consider that still a sport, but there's probably there's, certain moves and certain things that you did that you just knew when you got it perfect and you got it right and it felt yeah. good, right? Yeah. So that's, that's like with anything. Like if we're sitting here and we're doing things and we're 
missing the mark. We got to ask, why are we missing the mark? You know, and, and what's going on behind that and then make tweaks and make adjustments. And sometimes just doing things. And the reason we stop and people look at us as flighty because in our gut, we know it wasn't right. Um, but then we start to believe, is there something wrong with us? Is there this, is there that? And, uh, I, mean, I, just, I guess, go ahead. No. Yeah. I guess for me, just like, you know, that idea that you were saying like with the dark and the light and like just just off of like the exact current moment that thing of like yeah if you could shoot and then someone could edit it and you liked it that sounds like a magical land that doesn't exist um there you go so, so i guess um i got an editor for you a couple <laughs> oh yeah so that yeah but really yeah so that kind of sounds more like like more like where i'm sitting and i guess just the I don't know if you have time for the other question as well. Fire away, man. I know I, I, it's, it's funny. I told you that we'll, we'll do the one, we'll do the one more. And then uh, time flies. I lose track. I looked and I'm like, all right, we'll do this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Another 20 minutes passed. <laughs> what are the odds? So yeah, no, go ahead, man. No yeah. So I guess just like um, when it comes to, so uh, right now I'm kind of like back in the trenches of like what in the world is like the typical pricing that I should be putting up for things because mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like staying uh, stagnant in my skills. I'm consistently getting better. Sure. Um, and uh, so right now I'm in this weird place where like real estate jobs for the amount of time that I spend uh, on them, at least when you're adding in the procrastination time on the editing, so that might be playing into it. But yeah. um, it's making about like per hour, it's like 8x what weddings make for me right now. And so- You mean you're um, making 8x what a wedding makes you? Well, if you look at the per hour- if you look at the okay. per hour of like how much I'm spending. Yeah, I'm sure you're not like, charging as much, but because you're getting them done more efficient, like you're 12 hours at a wedding and then however much procrastination on the editing, whereas you might only be two or three hours on the real estate and a couple hours. It's like, I, it's like I'm charging somewhat similar prices. It's like I'm only charging like, you know, $400 less for a real estate video because I've moved into the luxury markets and so I'm able to charge okay. around a thousand per. Right, makes a big um, difference. Yeah. And so like for me, it's like, you know, I show up to do a real estate shoot. It's like, you know, three hours to shoot and then like four or five hours to edit. And then, uh, you know, weddings, it's like 12 hours to shoot and 28 or 30 you hours to edit. You're charging like $1,500 then right now for weddings? Okay. Well, that's, that's like the base. I like moved up my base charge from 1200 to $1,500 and I've had one $3,000 wedding. Um, where I did a highlight video and full ceremony and full toasts. Mm -hmm. um, but so like for me, I'm in like that weird space of like, uh, I know that sometimes like, you know, upping the charge makes people like see you as higher value. And yeah. then like um, people will actually uh, book the right stuff. Um, uh, and I keep on, ha and what I am consistently having people tell me is that like, uh, as far as like the other videographers and their price range is that like, I'm an arm and a leg better than the ones that they were looking at. Um, but I'm trying to figure out, uh, like, are there, are there decent symptoms that you can look for that say, yeah, you should probably start charging more or, um, or yeah. is it that actually like, because of like the whole thing about brand that you were talking about that I just don't have the name. I just don't have the demand on weddings. May and June had demand and you know, July here has got nothing. Um, and it's kind of like meager until the rest. I've only been doing this a year. I don't exactly have that brand. I haven't. How many did you do last year? How many, how many did you weeks done? did you do Like in, in total, I think it's only like nine. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, wait, including this year. Like I did, I did seven weddings last year and I've already, and I've filmed 
uh, nine so far this year. So my, what people take for granted, I think even the biggest guys out there very rarely, at least the ones I know have gone from, I did one wedding and the first wedding I ever did was $10,000. Like, it's just a lie. Like, I don't, I don't know people, unless, unless they were already crushing it in some other market in regards to video and then some high end person they already work with within what they normally do asks them to do a wedding and then they come out and they charge a higher rate. But a videographer who is a collective whole, as a collective whole, as a newbie, not getting high rates anywhere, it's like going to really high rates immediately is the thing like I told you with the, the house in the wrong market type of thing. Yeah. I, I had done um, almost 20 weddings my first year. They were all under $1,000. Right. I mean, they were 500 to like $800. And then the next year, I went to a $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 pricing model, and I got seven weddings. Now, the thing that was huge for marketing for me was same-day edits. I did my first one in that first year of the 20. And then a lot of the ones when I only did seven, I did same-day edits. It was huge. I didn't know this at the time. I just loved doing it. But it was phenomenal for marketing. So then by that, you know, that's call it 27 weddings over those first two years still with maybe half of them me doing a same-day edit at it. And then I was in bridal show. I mean, I was doing a lot to get my name out there. And the industry was totally different in 2006. Sure. Uh, you know, makes a big difference. Um, but I've seen that. I had a guy change his whole business. He does it full time now. And I think does, you know, between 20 and 30, but for three and a half years, he had like three weddings a year at two to $3,000. Um, so, you know, not bad, but at the same time in regards to the price he was getting, but not how many he was getting. So he was turning down a lot of people because he wasn't a, I gotta have this. So they, they contact you cold. They've contacted multiple other people. And as a byproduct, it's a race to the bottom unless you find ways to create that contrast in their mind about how you're different and they really want to work with you and these kinds of things. But to me, that takes a conversation or a meeting. I've had lots of guys who right. when they get better at it. They're like, if I meet with somebody, I'm getting that job. But if you just send an email, congrats, I'm available. Here's my novel of an email with my pricing involved in it. They're just going to look at the number and wherever their number is, if you're not at or below that, they're only contacting or going to interact with the people who are at or below. So I really push to some kind of interaction, talk somehow, even if you send a little video response to them or a little audio response, send a little video. Hey, Michelle, I just got your message. Congratulations on you know, your booking. You record a little 60 second thing. Now when they get six emails back and they all say, congrats, I'm available. Here's how much I am. Yours says, hey, I recorded a special little message for you. Check it out. And then now you, you, yeah. you, you see that and it's that you take that extra five minutes to record it, upload it and put that into the message. But that will set you apart from every other email they're getting when you're just a non-referred right. cold, they don't know who you are. And I, I believe that. So it's again, a supply and demand thing. And that should always ebb and flow. If you don't have much work and money's a problem, then still holding strong with your head held high about like, I stand at this. I've turned down the last 15 weddings, but by God, I know there's one coming that's going to book me. I don't have any book this year, but somebody's coming. And then you only end up with 17 leads. So the, the most you might be able to book is two weddings because you burned down 15 because you're so, and I had that. I was, I was getting referrals from people who were like, Three years later, they're referring. I did their friend for fifteen hundred, and three years later, they refer me, and I'm at forty five hundred dollars. It was getting hard to go from fifteen hundred. They knew maybe the pricing or whatever right. to quadruple that, and so I was turning down a lot when I started getting above four grand. And I knew that to get more than that for the same effort, 
I was going to need to network and connect with a whole different crew of people. But if I stayed within three to four, I could book all day, every day. Like it was easy for me. And so one could argue, well, okay, when you're booking a lot of them, then you know you can raise your rates. Well, same thing though. If I'm, let's call it 4,000 and I spend a certain amount of time and I get 10 weddings, that's $40,000. Now, if I only get five weddings at 6,000, that's only 30. That's half as many weddings, but that's still not even as much money as I made on the, on the you know, uh, 4,000 getting 10. Right. So I would need to, if I double my rates, right, I would need to get $8,000 and book five weddings to get that same 40. If you're in such a low volume to begin with, that might be really difficult to go and, and charge that kind of rate. So it's, again... I'm not the most, because everything I'm always going to talk about is not coming from a, a mindset of a human being who is uh, a framework system structure, do this, do that, here's this script, here's this, here's that. So I come from so much more of an intuitive type of background and people I've dealt with, it either resonates or it doesn't. Um, but for me, it's that ebb and flow in business, where are you at? You know, and, and that's where I love and a lot of the coaching I'm doing, just tying that in. Um, it's kind of contextual where you're at throughout the year and what's going on because I like to hear you're like wow I'm you know I mean one guy and I'll maybe end with this story here um he got he used to be booking 20 to 25 weddings and I think they were three to four grand and then all of a sudden things started slowing down for him and he was getting he had said he had 30 leads and he booked one person so I dig into that well what's going on having I mean, that's Quite frankly, yeah, that's not very good, you know. And the rates weren't like, oh, I got I booked a fifteen thousand dollar wedding, though. Right. It was like he still booked like a thirty five hundred dollar wedding, and there were similar rates to where he was getting, like, you know, twenty to thirty, and he was only getting, being able to book fifteen, and for like a few years in a row. So I dug in and I looked, and he sent out the thirty email responses. Twenty three of them did not even reply to that initial email, so he only ended up having conversations with seven people. And so he really booked one out of seven, not one out of 30, because I don't even count the people who literally didn't reply gotcha, at all yeah. after the initial. So one out of seven, that's not as bad. I would not, depending on even if you were offering for free, which is crazy, would you even get all seven of those people? So three or four, five on a high end would have been good. So he's, he's not far off. If he would have booked three out of that seven, depending on the price, that's not bad. Um, but the thing we found, I'm like, well, why do sometimes you try to get on a call or, or get in an interaction? And other times you're just like, congrats, we're available. Here's our prices. What, what makes you think that way? It's like, I don't know, man. And so he would also, when he got on calls, they maybe lasted 15 minutes because he was kind of like, okay, well, what do I talk about? Here's our packages. You know, it's that thing we talked about earlier versus I said, my calls used to go for an hour or more. Really? How the heck do you do that? Well, he's a husband and wife team. I said, just try it out. They started to do FaceTime and Skype calls because they weren't all super local where they could always meet. Both him and his wife got on and the calls started to go for 45 minutes to an hour and a half and they really started to increase their booking. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. um, that's where it's important. In his mind, he thought, I booked one out of 30 people. I suck. This is horrible. People aren't booking anymore. And I'm seeing it and going, okay, well, you know, you can't look at it that way because you, you really didn't get 23 of them to even reply to you. And then where are we at on the pricing? So that's where it's important to get specific because you got to know how many leads you got going on, you know, how many people are saying no to you, how many people are saying yes, you, you know, and thinking, oh, well, 
you know, demand was high in one month, but not in others. Well, there's times of the year where there'll be more people probably contacting you about weddings than there will be others. Um, but it's like, if you got 10 book, you know, 10 potential leads and you only booked one, what's going on there. But if you got 10 leads and booked eight, yeah, you probably got some fluctuation where you could charge, you could, can charge higher because you know, you're not getting a lot of pushback. Um, but if you're not booking that many, I don't always know that just charging a bigger rate automatic, cause I'm not big about putting the rates on the site either. Uh, I should add that in, uh, until sure. you're in a place where you're like, I just want to push people away. I got so many leads. I want to cut people out. But in the beginning, you want the person who thinks they're only going to spend $800. You want to talk to that person because if you're only at 1500 right now, you very well with the right conversation could get them to spend 1500. You won't get them to go from eight to 4,000 probably, but you might get them to go from 800 to 1500 or 2000 after you really have a conversation. And that's where, again, a lot of people, um, you know, really take that for granted. So, um, anyways, makes sense. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And I would say, I guess like even just what you said of like they if they changed the the structure of like whether or not they open the email and sometimes it was on the call or sometimes uh, I did start using like a template way of like sending out the brochures and I guess I've had less I hadn't I hadn't actually thought about that until just now that like I had changed how I was responding to the emails and that was causing I booked all of May and June and I haven't booked much of the rest of the year and it was probably due to the change of that. So, so what were you doing prior to that change? Um, I, well, I was even actually like following like some stuff on like sales advice of like, you don't sit there and tell them the price immediately, which is even what you're saying with like, yeah, honestly, they get to the end of my calls and they'd be like, this is amazing. Oh my God. So, so like, how much is it? (laughs) Right. I I was doing more of a, okay, great. Well, tell me about, tell me about your wedding. Tell me what you want. Like which, and then also just because I was advertising on, I'm advertising mainly on like wedding wire and the knot right now. I haven't gotten to do much more than that. Um, but even with theirs, I was like, Hey, which of my videos have you watched? Because so often no one's watched my stuff. And that's kind of like in the areas that, um, that I'm in, there's like, you know, the, the people who advertise, it's like the people from like the bigger cities who have, um, really good stuff. And then there's like, there's like four of us to, to, to the other guys are actually in full time filmmaker as well. But there's like, there's like four of us where I'm like, yeah, we're probably the best guys over here yeah. just because of uh, pretty small, um, uh, pr- pretty, pretty small group of people on, on those sites. Um, anyway. Uh, so but what I was doing was I was, was I was sending out questions and getting them to talk to me first and then usually trying to get on a phone call before I actually even set the prices. And I was booking. But we're looking for the automated, like, what's the simplest way? Oh, they just yeah. want my prices fired off. Here we go. But if you don't have like volume out the wazoo where you're like, yeah, I got 500 leads, you know, I'll siphon all these people out. So I only have to interact with the 30 people who are actually interested versus you only have 30 leads. You got to do everything you can to keep that interest because you obviously will never have more than 30 bookings more than likely probably won't get more than 50 or 60% of those people. So now it's like, you got to do things that, that set you apart. You spend that extra little time, especially, you know, I think that we take for granted, like on a Parker thing or these things that are online, he's not talking to every person who's of course buying the course for 800 bucks. It's sure. an e-commerce site. They're, they're clicking by. He's going for bulk. He's got millions of people seeing it on a monthly basis. And that's anything, anything that's very e-commerce-y, where you're just going to design the best website and get them to hit that button, hit buy, and move on. 
Uh, but when you're dealing with video production and overall your average project, if depending on a million variables, probably should end up getting into that thousand to three thousand dollar range on a low end and then up endless, you know, then to think that you're just going to have people click buy buttons or, you know, uh, you know, make it where they decipher themselves out. You got to realize somebody said this once to me, they treat them like they're Homer Simpson. Like they don't really know what the heck's going on. They're not yeah. that smart. And sometimes we send these brochures or packages and things. And it's like a foreign language. It's like, I don't know what any of this even means. Like this package, that package, this a la carte thing, that thing. Like, what is this, this camera that, and then if you get into that, you start adding in all the things you're using. I mean, my best years were when I had one package and it was basically boiled down to the video you love. I'm going to come and rock that end of discussion. Now I talked a lot more, but that was the basic sure. premise. It was like, right. I come and rock your day or I don't come and rock your day. I'm going to make this video or I basically don't make the video, but that's it. It's not a six hour, a 12 hour, an eight hour, a one camera, three camera, two people, four people, this, that, and the other thing. It was like, I'm going to find all this stuff about you and I'm going to give you you know, I'll be there from nine to 10. I'll be there from 10 to 10, you know, whatever, but I'm going to be there the whole day. And that came from me going, I've done tons of weddings. I don't want to have a couple book a thousand dollar wedding package when I have a three and a month and a half later, some out, somebody come out who's pumped and would book me for eight if I wanted, but they'd want the three and they're like super bride USA. And the other person's kind of like, ah, oh, video, who cares? But Hey, I'll take this thousand dollar thing. So now I'm booked with this supposed not as good video for a thousand bucks when I got a super couple that's like, would just love for me to come in and do my best work. So that thousand dollar person I'm obligated to, and I would still do my best work because it wasn't in my DNA to create some crappy looking video, which it sounds like we're very similar. It's very difficult for you to want to go in and create some kind of subpar thing when you know your skills are up here. To me, yeah. your skills continue to evolve and wherever they are is where you always need to be. And then you figure out your price and everything, but if you're able to make this, but somebody's only gonna pay you for this, like, and anybody listening, I got my hand up high, my hand up low, like don't go <laughs> and create the low thing just because, because that's what gets people in a cycle of work and clients they're not pumped about because you're just like, the thing we talked about the whole time, you're just kind of the order taker, you're doing this thing, whatever. Somebody sees it, you're like, here we go again, you do it. And then you just end up with work you're not pumped about. That's why you procrastinate too. You're like, I don't even have good stuff. And if you're a grower like yourself, you don't get to that footage, by God, for a month, you know you're a better shooter a month later. Oh my word, that's what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah. It's where like, you know, I'm like, I'm like pumped about the wedding I just shot and then I'm looking at stuff and it's like, and it's like, it takes me like a, it's like, it takes me, you know, like a month and a half to go, oh, look, I'm seeing improvement now, even though I probably improved on that a minute ago. Anyway. I know I can be a fire hose. I apologize. The, the not, the not necessary, like, you know, I guess like, um, it took us talking for me to realize that I was doing the subway model with like business stuff. And that's probably more of like some of the issue and that, um, I'm probably taking it like too personally whenever someone's only got like a budget of like, and then like, you know, whereas I could like, you know, where I am. Yeah. Well, you have to ask yourself, my one buddy, he knows that he could get three or 4,000 for certain things, but he actually just quite frankly loves video so much. And honestly being busy that if something comes up and he's available and they're like, 
we got 800 bucks and he does whatever and we you know talk through and they really just they're going to spend 800 bucks he's he'll go do it like it's always it's not a matter of like some people get so into like never take anything under three thousand dollars don't devalue yourself don't that i get that but you know that's again it's nuance it's personal like he likes to be busy he likes to do work so if somebody comes along and they only want to spend 800 bucks but he's available and he has the time to do it he still goes and creates the equivalent of the three thousand dollar video overall but you know he just, he still does it. And so it, it's, it's, there's a fine line here and it's just even free. I guess that's kind of what someone I was talking about. I've just kind of gotten off of, if I like doing it, you can go do it. And you just have to watch because I can make a video that delivers great value to the client. And honestly, uh, hour and a half shoot and two hours of editing and they'll be happy with it. And I'm even happy with the overall output. Um, so where people get into cheaper free is when, they either are going to spend a ton of money and they're like, Oh my God, it cost me $2,000 to do a project. Right. Well, if that's yeah. one element, yeah, that's a problem. Um, the other element is if you do a free project or cheap project and that thing takes you three and a half weeks to complete. Um, I mean, to me, if I go this morning and, and shoot something, you know, that's 20 minutes away and I shoot for about an hour and I can get, I mean, the way I shoot, I can get a lot done in a couple hours. And so, to come back and then have that edited. I mean, again, I mean, it just depends when you start getting into literally like when it's only a couple hundred bucks, I'd almost rather do it for free and act as though these things I'm doing something that's worth 2000. I'm just gonna do it for free. Then that's where people, I think sometimes with pricing, it's like, well, yeah, there is levels. When you start doing things for dirt cheap and $75, it really, I mean, should be, you know, way more. I mean, I think the minimum for most video people doing anything should probably be in the like 500 on up overall. Um, because nothing's like somebody goes, Oh, it's only going to take an hour. Well, there's, I got to be there an hour before it takes me an hour to get there. That's three hours by the time it's over just to get there ahead of time, be there the hour before, be there for the hour, drive an hour back, upload the footage. So now I'm still, I've already spent six to eight hours on a project that supposedly was only going to take an hour in the client's eyes. And that's where we have to educate them again. And the most, I mean, sometimes I get very intense about this in these conversations, but I'm as loving and caring and understanding my conversations, you know, when I'm talking to people. Uh, But, you know, it's having that conversation and having that ability to guide them to go, well, I appreciate that it's only an hour. And if I were five minutes away, that would, you know. That would be fine, yeah. but I, I, I'm about 45 minutes away, so I'm gonna, I want to get there ahead of time because I don't want to show up right before it starts and be rushing. I like to be there an hour before, and that's where the Tony thing, right? That creating that excellence where it's like you are the expert. You've done this a lot, and you know what creates the best possible. People appreciate that, like versus the person that has basically, quote, unquote, no backbone and just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever you need. It's like, and they're not, that's not of high value because there's plenty of people who will take orders and they don't have to pay them much money. I mean, there's 12 year olds shooting great video that they could get and run around and run around with the camera and get some good looking footage. It's the story you tell through interviews or testimonials or, um, you know, these other elements that you bring from the experience that you have and your storytelling ability to watch something compelling. That's where the kid who just runs around with the camera and just does what he's told I mean, a lot of people can do that. So anyways, man, I, I love this. That's why I go on and on, quite frankly, because I- And also, especially that depth thing that you were saying, like that, that's- Oh, the going deeper on something versus shallow on a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was also really helpful. You just had, I've got everything here. <laughs> I, you, 
I can type pretty fast. So I was able to take notes during. Well, I got it. I mean, obviously, so it, it is uh, recorded. So, you know, we, uh, you, you, you'll get it as well. There you have it. Another episode of Jumpstart Sessions. And I hope you enjoyed that episode. So if you yourself would like to be coached on a future episode of Jumpstart Sessions, just head on over to jumpstartsessions.net and click Get Coached on the Podcast. Again, as of the recording of this episode, they are free as long as they can be used as a podcast episode. I would really love to help you gain a greater level of clarity, confidence, and connection in your life and alignment in your business so that you can move faster and make things happen without so much resistance. So I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Have an amazing rest of your day and keep rocking and rolling. Take care. 